I'm Anna. <laughs> and I'm Foz. We, we need just a little pause, okay, babe? I'm Anna. I no, want to break in. I want to talk about the millennial pause because you said that we need to do a pause is going to delineate. And I'm pretty sure you're Gen Z, but there's this whole thing about the millennial pause about what is pausing. It? I don't know. Like, it has to do with the different types of like social media where it was like, basically they're saying that everything but TikTok, there's like a little bit of a delay. So you kind of need to wait until you start talking. But then on oh. TikTok, once you hit record, it starts recording like right away. Oh. And so everyone that's like a millennial instinctively pauses a little bit because they're waiting for things to kind of boot up. Yeah. But I guess I don't know if you're. I mean, I'm more so in editing because it's hard for me to find it. But if I see a flat line, then I know, like, okay, then I can cut okay. right there. Okay. But that pause is something that sounds trendy, and we probably should be on that if we're trying to be cool. Well, no, the thing is, you're not supposed to pause to be cool. Oh, never mind. <laughs> but I think we're both technically on like the cusp okay, how of Gen do... Z and millennials. Yeah, I'm so. actually 96, the year that changes on both. I'm okay. 95, but there's people in my grade that were 96 that weren't you, so that's why I have yes. like a, and, you know. Okay, how about we do this? We pause so I can see where to cut when editing, but then I'll cut it right there so we sound cool, so we seem cool. I mean, I don't really care. Okay, here we go. I'm Anna. And I'm Foz. And this is the Growth Groupies Podcast. Today... Today we're discussing what it means to be good or mostly good mm-hmm. um, and how to maybe maintain and defend goodness. Okay. Yes. I was going to go in a little bit different of a direction. Oh. I was going to say was... how goodness is limiting because it requires us to maintain our goodness. Like this concept of goodness is I think the most limiting thing in society that prevents us from growing, that prevents us from truly connecting because when you think of yourself as a good person, all of a sudden now you have to spend all your time and energy maintaining your sense of goodness and you can't make any mistakes. No one can be like, hey girl, that was a little bit racist to say. All of a sudden you get defensive because you have to protect, you have to defend your goodness. Where if we weren't so obsessed with being good, it'd be like, Oh, shoot. Thanks for telling me. So I think that goodness is like this like toxin, this like pollute, like this pollutant that's like in that not is infecting has always infected our species. And we would be so much better off if we could like, hey, now I sound like a cult, like cleanse ourselves of goodness. (laughs) But Like if we could like stop obsessing over being a good person, I think it would actually help us actually care for one another a lot better because we could admit our mistakes yeah yeah I have a couple I guess a couple thoughts on that so I feel like it's about kind of goes back to maintaining appearances rather Mm -hmm. than like the true intent Mm -hmm. um and I sort of have an example of this but uh my dad makes watches which I I don't know if you know Anna but I've known that since okay, high well, school. I don't know. I thought it was so cool. Okay, okay. Well, I'm talking about many times, so let's go. Okay, sorry. I mean, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to, like, make this about that. But what I'm saying is some of his watches have, like, curse words on them. Like, one of them, like, the class was, like, fuck. Um, and so he was having a conversation with another dance dad. And you guys know. Back in high school? Yes. Um, and I think the dad, the other dad had, like, seen his watch and was kind of, like... You know, but that's like the appear, like the outward appearances, like, like a- this is crude. But like my dad's a very stand-up guy, like mm. family values, like has been married for a very long time, only been like with my mom. Like it's very. And I think studio dance has kind of like a purity culture in itself. 
Yes, but his thing is, you know, I can express myself how I want to. At the end of the day, I know that I'm a good person. And no one's being hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's more of like a Well, like, I feel like we actually, a lot, we actually hurt people in an effort to defend our goodness. And I think this really comes into racism. Like, as a white person, like, I've noticed, like, I and, like, many, like, white family members and just, like, white people that I know and I'm close to, like, we actually, like, hurt, like the progression of equity because we're defending our goodness so it's like i don't want to admit that i said something racist like i just i didn't realize it was racist i would never say that if i knew Mm -hmm. but like we can't take ownership which means that like progress just like can't happen until we're able to be like yeah like i messed up and like that's awful you know but we're so obsessed with like protecting our sense of goodness like oh i would never do that it's like actually you did do that just own it and then we can all be better for we can all like like humanity can be better because we can move forward you know yeah no i agree um in healthcare there is like a system or there should be in a good healthcare system of just culture um because you know of course it's it's people with human error who are in charge of you know protecting other people right And it can be very scary if there's a mistake or like a med error or something. Yeah. And these happen all the time. I mean, it's, it's, it just happens. But, you know, they, a good hospital will have a culture of they did it wrong, but it's, it's not punitive. It's what's wrong with this system. How can we learn? But if you're someone who's like, no one can know. I didn't do anything. It needs to be good. Yes. You're going to hurt someone. Yes, that's exactly you know? what I'm saying. Yeah, so. we like, in the effort to maintain our goodness, we end up hurting each other. Yeah. And if we could just be okay being less good, we would actually like be like it would actually like be we could care for one another so much better. No, that the healthcare is such a good example. And I, so, do you guys have a system for it? Yeah. So at my current hospital. Basically, all hospitals should have this, but, um, you know, there's a safety committee and they're in charge of kind of oversight. And the idea is that the systems that are in place are as fail-proof as they can be because Mm. there's something that we call the Swiss cheese model um, (laughs) where, you know, all the holes kind of line up. So it's like, you know, there's a mistake here, but the nurse catches it. There's a mistake here, but the pharmacist catches it. But what happens when the doctor, the nurse, the pharmacist, the respiratory therapist, the the patient, like no one catches it and then the error goes straight through all the holes. Yeah. Um, and so that can be systems-based, process-based, you know, you need to go back and do like a root cause mm-hmm. analysis. Um, but these things and these issues don't get identified if people don't report them. So yes. the past two hospitals I've worked at have like a, a reporting thing and you can oh, nice. link it and then someone reviews and yeah. hopefully changes can come out yeah. of it. But if you have the idea that it's going to be punitive, then you're never going to report things. Yeah, because you're trying to like protect and defend yourself. Yes. And I think that as a society, we are very punitive. I mean, obviously, look at our justice system. Like our prisons are like some of the worst in the world, and they actually like make things. They actually instead of like being um, rehabilitating and like helping like restore members of society, they actually like, end up like traumatizing. And, like, many people who go through prison, like, come out much more, like, broken. Like, we just want to punish them, and it's, like, an eye for an eye. Like, we just want to punish them. Like, our goal is to punish. Whereas I was listening to this one podcast, and it was about, like, prisons around the world. Like, this group of, like, academics, like, toured prisons around the world. And in Europe, in some countries, they're, like, very, like, homey. 
It's like your punishment is being separated. Mm-hmm. You're not there to be punished in the prison. Like you're already being punished by being separated. And our goal within the prison is to rehabilitate you so you can go back and be a functioning member of society. Yeah. Where like ours is so different. It's like there's very little rehabilitation and it's genuinely like focused on like punishment. And in that podcast, it was saying that anyone who gets sentenced to prison is getting sentenced sentenced to rape because the statistics are that if you are going to prison, like you will get raped. Like that's what the statistic is because it's all about this like power complex. So like mm. it's nothing about like being gay or anything. It's like everything about like how can I in- like all of my power has been stripped from me. So I need to get a sense of power wherever I can. And oftentimes in prison, like the only way to get a sense of power is like by raping another person. <laughs> Isn't that awful? Yeah, I mean, I, I should. It's not surprising, which like, you know, but it's like terrible. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, well, there's a couple things I want to say. Like, one, I think there's sort of like a glamorization of the prison system, with. And, like, I contributed to it, too, by, like, watching the shows. But you see, yes. like, Orange is the New Black or, like, mm. there's somewhere they go undercover and all that stuff. And you, yeah. you do kind of get a sense of how there's different power structures. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it kind of reflects some of the values. Unfortunately, not that rape is a value in this country. That's not what I mean. Um, although it, it although does... Although, like, it got... Is it, though? Maybe that'd it, be a whole other episode. It, it does come up a lot. But what I'm saying <laughs> is it's more, like... The U.S. is very, like, personal responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. it's your fault. You have the ability to pull yourself out of, up out of, by your bootstraps. Yes. It's on you. You have the mm. freedom to make these choices. Rather, in other countries, it seems there's more of, like, a collective identity, yes. you know, separated from society, integrating mm-hmm. back in where it's, like, I don't know. Oh, so you're saying that, like, being separate from society wouldn't be as much of a punishment because we value independence. Where, like, if your society is based on community, then it's a lot it's a lot harder to be separated. Is that what you're saying? Maybe. I guess I mean more, like, in the U.S., it's your fault. You're in prison. You figure it out. You know, there's yes. no resources for you when you get out. Yeah. Whereas, like, maybe in other countries, it's mm-hmm. more like a collective pool. How can yes. we rehabilitate these people to bring them back into the pool? Yeah, and that's really what it sounded like based on this podcast. And this podcast was saying that, like, they're treated like humans. Like, in the United States, like, once you go into a prison, like, you lose your humanity. Like, yeah. Where it's like they, like, in Europe, they were talking about, I know Europe is, like, a really broad term, but I'm just obviously generalizing here for the sake of, like, exploring these ideas but in in these european countries that they were investigating like they had like curtains and they had like a comfy bed and they had like a home because like their humanity was still respected and really important and these um academics who were like touring or like professionals i should say because some of them um I just should, I'll say professionals. And they were commenting, like, when they were touring, they were like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this is a prison. Like, there are so many things that could be weaponized. Like, Mm -hmm. if, like, somebody, like, if all of a sudden we just put curtains and, and, like, these, like, comfy beds and, like, all this stuff into U.S. prisons, people would be murdering each other left and right because so many things in this room can be weapons. But, I mean, I don't know. I feel like you could draw some parallels to, like, obviously everyone's going to want to (laughs) take... I just knocked over a pillow. Take things for themselves in, like, a U.S. prison because there is nothing. And you could kind of make that parallel with, like, poverty. There's higher rates of crime because, Mm -hmm. I mean, what else can you do to get what you need? But if you have it, I mean, there's not 
you know, and, and I don't know the exact studies, but I've, I've looked at similar things that you're talking about. I don't know if I'm supposed to be moving this pillow in. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, just want your audio to stay consistent, Foz. <laughs> but I, I think, and someone fact-checked me, like, I think the okay. rates of uh, violence and, and issues mm-hmm. within the prison system go down when they provide them with their basic needs. Yes, 100%. So that's what they were saying is, like, so one of the um, people touring that was a part of this, like, investigative group, um, it was like, oh my goodness, like, is this a joke? Are you serious? Like, don't your inmates, like, weaponize the curtain rod and kill each other? Like... How is like this even possible? They have silverware, and it's like a big like. Yes, and it's like, and and the um people like in the European prison were like, no, like when you treat somebody yeah. like a human, they act like a human. But when you treat somebody like an animal, then they act like an animal. Or like when you treat somebody as less than human, then that is how they act. And so it's like we treat our inmates like full humans. We respect their humanity, so therefore they act like it. Like nobody, no inmate causes harm to another inmate. Yes, there's like disagreements, but nobody is like harming one another. And like it was just so interesting to hear them like process that because the like, United States like group of professionals who were going on this tour were like, oh my goodness, like that's insane because like that's such an issue and the US prisons is like inmates hurting one another. And it really comes back to what I just said is like when you treat somebody like a human, they act like it. But when you treat somebody as less than then they act like it because their basic needs aren't being met. So then they're in survival mode and nobody's like, it's like we judge the victim when really it is like the men, like the mentality of the system that puts the victim in that situation. And like, obviously like if you like are in prison because you killed somebody, like obviously like, yeah, that's an issue that you killed somebody, but it's not going to be fixed by sending you to an institution where you're going to get raped by other inmates where you lose your sense of humanity that's just gonna make the that's just gonna like make the problem worse like if you killed somebody like you still need your humanity respected so you can like process like why did i do that like if you killed somebody maybe you're a psychopath but like in most situations like there's this other podcast that i was listening to and it was there was this guy who was processing um he had killed somebody and he was like, I did it because I was like 12 and me and my friend were getting into a gang and a rival gang like shot my friend, like my best friend. Like he was, was more important to me than my family shot him in the head, just a drive-by shooting. And like his like skull had opened and I could like see his brain and he was like laying there in my arms and like I watched him die. And so after that, like I didn't have any problem killing anybody because I was so numb and so then I was like doing like a carjacking and the guy like wouldn't cooperate and so I shot him and genuinely for seven years I didn't feel a thing I didn't feel any remorse for seven years because I was so numb but now 20 years later he's getting out and he's like I feel so awful like there's nothing I can do to replace that human like you can't replace a person you can't replace a son a father you know and he feels like so much um like he wants to like like restitution that is how we actually make things better like he wants restitution like he wants to try to like even though he can't make up for a person Mm -hmm. like every action he does now is to try to like restore what he has broken and like that's how someone like actually heals that's how we heal the society like that's true um progress but just like punishing somebody more doesn't help them get to that place where it's not restitution. It's not actually fixing anything. It would just be like 
continuing the same cycle. So anyways, sorry, that was a rant. No, that's okay. I can, I can, I can circle it back. Um, <laughs> I think in that situation, you have to have the understanding or like at least the belief that like people are inherently good. Yes. And like for that specific example, like you could argue like that person is inherently good. Mm-hmm. You know, they got different things thrown at them where they went down a bad path, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they're kind of able to, to regroup and understand yes. and reflect on what they had done. Yeah. Now, Unfortunately, I, I, I know there's some people that maybe don't reach the other side of that and have that self-reflection yeah. and, and remorse and, and that yeah. sort of thing. And there's probably other uh, psychological issues there. You know, I'm sure people mm-hmm. are listening to this like, what if someone did X, Y, and Z? There's no hope. And, and you know, that, that's for someone else to solve. Like, we're just very low-level people here just and having conversation that about is what the ifs. Point. Like, Everything is circumstantial. Yeah. So we can't have this one-size-fits-all justice system. We have to give everybody the opportunity. Yeah. And some people won't make it, but we need to give everybody the same opportunity to, like, yeah. transition to that place of, like, restitution. For sure, and I guess that is a good point to point out, is, like, I do have a belief that people are inherently good, and people who hurt people, like, hurt people hurt people. That's what I always say to my students, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if someone hurt you, it's because someone hurt them. So you now going on and hurting somebody else is not justice. That's not helping anything. Um, And I think that's, I do believe that people are inherently good, which... I didn't put on our timer, so I don't know how long this has been. But, Faz, I'm curious. Hmm. Do you think people are inherently good? Yeah. I mean, I don't... I think all behavior, basically, is learned. I mean, mm-hmm. so I'm pretty sure if you took a baby, like, you could take twins, separate them. I mean, I'm sure there's been horrible unethical studies uh, with this, so I'm, I'm not going to try to... This is just theoretical. Like, I'm not saying this, <laughs> but... You know, there's like a, there, yeah, there is a certain sense of like nature versus nurture, mm-hmm. but I really feel like the nurture, if that's the one where there's like human involvement or whatever. Yeah, nurture, yeah. yep. That's the one that affects you the most. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, sometimes I just get so, and I know we've talked about like the, the ethics of having kids and the impact and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff, but I think it can be just so stressful how fragile people are and, and there's like a butterfly effect with your life. Yeah. Um, little things can kind of set you off or mm-hmm. and, and the thing is you could have a whole family of kids and they each have different needs and mm-hmm. everything you do might affect one differently than another yeah. but yeah I think people are inherently good mm-hmm. um, and most people try to be but there's obviously a lot of other factors and I remember thinking a lot about this when I was a kid I was like are people inherently good or are people inherently sinful because I grew up Catholic which oh, means that yeah. like, everybody's inherently sinful and only through the grace of God can you be good. And I really thought about this for like my entire childhood. And I remember I came to the conclusion and I was like, you know what? I disagree. I think that people are inherently good because we enjoy things that feel good. Hmm. Like we, okay, this is going to be, oh, okay. I mean, <laughs> this is a little layered, okay? Let me just okay. get it out there and then you, then you call it. Okay, okay, yeah. So. Fundamentally, first, like, I'm going to say, when I say, like, first level, I mean, like, bottom, bottom layer. Yeah, like, the base no, of the pyramid. Base of the pyramid, like, no trauma. Okay, so when I say, like, base level or, like, first level, I mean, like, the most pure level. Like, you are a fresh new baby. You haven't experienced any trauma yet. Like, you, your soul and your, like, person 
is just like fresh, okay? Okay. So like first level, we enjoy things that are driven towards connection and things that are driven towards like our benefit. Like um, like we enjoy connecting with other humans and that like creates this like social benefit and we enjoy like eating food but if we eat too much and we start to feel sick um like on like a basic on the base level like we enjoy things that are for our benefit and then are driven towards connection like we enjoy like like all those things are like pleasant feelings and so then like the next layer would be like okay things that are enjoyable but that cause harm Mm. and now that I would say is a product of trauma so I feel insecure that I'm not skinny enough so I'm gonna shame somebody else and that makes me feel good but that's not on my like pure soul level that's on my like trauma level where I'm just where I have poor coping mechanisms you know like sometimes things that cause harm do feel good but that's only in the situation that your coping mechanisms to cope with your trauma are bad cope like they're poor they're just not effective coping mechanisms yeah and it's just gonna be a quick short-term thing and most likely you're not gonna feel that good yes long term after that yeah most people will be like i shouldn't have said that that's the other thing is it's very temporary it's not very like deep it's not like a deep sense of goodness it's like this quick fleeting momentary satisfaction Mm -hmm. But, like, getting back to, like, the soul level, like, that kind of stuff, like, connecting with other humans, like, feels good in this, like, deep, embodying way. And so that's my argument. We only got to, like, the middle tier. What's the top tier? Oh, I guess. Okay. Not, I mean, maybe there's not. I it's started okay, talking not. before I really had it figured out, and I guess there's only two layers. It's either, like, soul layer or, like, trauma layer. So okay. if you're, like, functioning from, like, your soul layer, we enjoy things that are naturally naturally driven towards connection and for our benefit Mm -hmm. but if we're like in our trauma layer then some things that do cause harm do feel good but that's only because our coping mechanisms are just Mm -hmm. not like efficient and not very effective and it's very a fleeting sense of goodness it's not just like deep embodying sense of like "Mm, this is like pleasure this is like enjoyable i see yes uh, so yeah, in summary, uh, both of us believe people are inherently good and there's obviously all these outside factors that, you know, can kind of delineate from that, uh, lived experiences, but I think most people will be able to reflect back after whatever time that they've had being quote unquote bad yeah. and try, there's always like a sense, I feel like even, I mean, think about people trying to get Okay, not that I want to place like a moral and ethical weight on like substance use disorder or alcoholism, but if you think about people trying to get sober, like they usually want it. Like they don't want to be in active addiction. Yes, that's what I'm saying. It's just like they, you know, they they their coping mechanism. Yeah, that's their coping mechanism. They can't quite push through. Um, Yeah, they just don't have a great coping mechanism. But but they still will circle back and be like, I I want this for my family, for my kid, for whatever it might be. Um, ultimately, you know, since the illness has an effect. But anyway, I don't want to, that's a whole separate topic. I and I do think that cults are really interesting because people do awful things when they're, like, amidst a cult mentality. And I think that gets back to this, like, fundamental desire that belonging is the most rewarding feeling for humans. And if you're in a cult, it's not belonging. It's, like, 
you are fitting in like you are changing yourself to fit in and be accepted but it's not a true sense of belonging so I shouldn't say belonging like you are fitting in and being accepted by this cult and people do awful things because that need for acceptance is so strong and even in that case like they did something that's hurtful like maybe they killed somebody because the cult told them to like they did something hurtful but it's fleeting and it's just like that's their coping mechanism to try that's just their coping mechanism like their fundamental need is like i need a sense of belonging and acceptance so my like like not very effective coping mechanism is to change who I am so that I'm accepted by this like group which I mean is basically like how we started this with keeping up the appearance of good I mean people don't want to admit when they're wrong or when they've messed up or when something hasn't gone perfect you know they want to maintain that appearance of good and I think that maintaining the sense of good prevents us from truly belonging because we're so prior, like so preoccupied, like you said, Foz, with fitting in and being good that we don't want to risk our good image mm-hmm. and take a risk at being authentic. So, in a nutshell, being good limits human connectivity, limits human growth, and limits the possibilities for our species. So stop well, trying to be good. <laughs> You can still be good and honest, good and truthful. You don't need to be good mm-hmm. and then sneaky. Like it's a bit sensationalized, but I think I think our handful of listeners will get the get the message. Okay. What would your what's your what's your nutshell? Well, I just kind of co-signed that, but I added. Oh, you my, did co-sign it. Okay. I added my with the revision. Okay. Well. <laughs> You know, I, I think people should still strive for goodness, but not at the cost of honesty and and truth and, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I don't think you're, you're want, because I think in some nuances of this conversation, we're using mm-hmm. good as like a placeholder for like the appearance of like perfection, like to the yes. outside society, but that's like a more complicated thing. So. Yes. And I guess I should clarify, is like, I really don't believe in trying to maintain a good image yes i believe that your guiding light in life should be what feels pleasant and like if you've processed all your trauma which none of us have so this is not a good guiding light at this point in humanity but like pleasant things things that are pleasant are like human connection and like eating food but not eating too much junk food because then I feel sick like being really in tune with your body and in tune with what brings pleasure it feels good like more about like focusing on like what feels good and not about creating this like good identity this good image yeah I think that's great can we end every episode with an explosion please uh I'm not gonna hear that but okay <laughs>